it's always a work in progress. We did it. I mean, we increased revenue by 100% last year. So I was really, really excited with the year we had. And, um, and I'm excited with what's to come. I feel like we've got some really interesting projects in the pipeline that could be huge. And then just as we're getting more well-known, it's, it's tough to compete with the big boys and, um, and, you know, and, and not be able to keep up on the Google ad spend and all of those things that these huge companies have that, and so we're, we're doing our best to, you know, be more well-known, be, be, be the person that, or be the company that people think of. Um, the fact that I am certified woman-owned business has gone really, really far. We get customers all the time who are intentionally supporting a woman-owned business, and I really appreciate that. You are listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. This is a podcast dedicated to self-improvement, self-discovery, living your best life, and managing your money. I'm your host, Ella, and I hope you enjoy listening today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to For Better Self and Net Worth. I have an amazing guest with me today. Her name is Lisa Riggs. She is the Sock Queen, CEO and founder of Spirit Socks USA. I know I'm a huge fan of having socks. You can never have too many socks. So I'm super excited to hear from Lisa and her journey into her business. So Lisa, thanks for being on the show. Ella, thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Well, give us a background on yourself. Tell us your story and how you became the CEO of Spirit Socks USA. Sure. Yeah. I graduated from college. I started out my career. Actually, um, back then it was a little easier to get a job than it is now. And so I sent three resumes to HR and three resumes to a travel agency and I got a job in HR. So that started my career. But I ended up in a at a really good company um, in Silicon Valley called Network Appliance and was an HR manager there. My career path was rapidly growing. Um, but at the same time, I'd gotten married and um, had my first child. And that kind of changed changed everything. It changed the attitude the company had towards me. It changed the attitude I had towards the work I was doing and how much value I was actually adding to my life and those around me. So um, after a series of decisions, actually after my second child, about a year later, I decided to quit and stay home with my kids because it was becoming clear I couldn't be the mom that I wanted to be. And my husband and I, even though the numbers didn't work, we thought we had to try it. So um, in the meantime, with that, I, I became, while I was home with the kids, I was, I became so involved in the community and the school, um, co-founded a neighborhood association, got citizen of the year for city of San Jose. It was very, very fun. Oh. That, but it developed, and it also developed me into being ready to um, come up with this idea to start Spirit Socks USA. And so I was developing this fundraising background through all the volunteering I was doing and the the fundraising I was running. And so that's when I had the idea to use socks as a fundraiser. And I tried it out. I was running the after-school sports program at my daughter's middle school and um, on the education foundation and tried it out because the program was 90% parent funded. It was so successful that that's where I stepped back and said, wow, should I make this a business? And I did. Wonderful. It takes a very special skill and set of motivation to be a fundraiser. Yes. It's so hard. It's really every anybody who's ever done fundraising knows how difficult it is. Yes. The, the research is a huge part of it. 
Definitely, definitely. And when I came up with this idea too, a lot of the states, and I'm in California, and so California in particular, were coming down on the health and wellness guidelines. And so they eliminated, so I'd say at least 50% of the fundraisers that we use because they had food, because we would do like restaurant night at McDonald's, or we would sell chocolate bars or all these things that are really common fundraisers for schools and sports teams and bands. And they eliminated that. And so they just took away these fundraising dollars. So that was something I thought with the socks is not only are they practical people, most people love them, but um, I always joke they're gluten-free. So it's, it's a fundraiser, (laughs) right? You can stand behind it. Gluten-free socks. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I know the laws in California are a lot more strict, which I can kind of appreciate it because it's like, okay, there's one state that does care about my health and (laughs) There's the P65 warnings. Anytime I buy electronics, I get the P65 warnings. Mm-hmm. It almost terrifies me to use anything that has Bluetooth involved with it. <laughs> I know. I know. We we all don't really know what's going to happen in the future with all of our technology, but not um, involved. Yeah. So you said in your corporate job, you, you know, you had a giant shift, you had a life change and you had a different relationship with the company you worked for. Could you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, it was, it was at one meeting actually changed everything for me as, as I mentioned, you know, I was in my early twenties, just starting my career and just hungry, right? I I was getting promoted. I loved it. I loved my job. Um, But at the same time, like I said, was married and we wanted to have our first child. And so I had my son, I, I was doing, a software implementation where I had to drive an hour three times a week. And I literally would pull over on the side of the freeway, throw up, get back in the car and continue my drive to Pleasanton. um, So I could, because I was running the software implementation. So that's the type of employee I was for this company and took my maternity leave, came back and about, um, about six weeks after I had been back, my boss, who was a VP of HR and a female pulled me into her office and said, Lisa, it's a shame your priorities have changed. And I was so angry and I said, my priorities have never changed. My family has always come first, but now I just have that clock stopping it. I have to pick them up by six o'clock, but they criticized me for not working until 7 PM and, and put, you know, putting, picking up my baby from daycare by six o'clock, you know, it's not like it was three o'clock. Um, they criticized that and it just changed everything. It changed the way I thought about the company. Um, it was really disappointing to hear, honestly. And you worked in human resources. So yes, as a manager in HR. Yeah. Automatically, you know, that's not okay. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But sadly, this is a common story I hear with companies and how they look at working mothers, how they look at women in general. I mean, you know, if you're a single woman and you're not married, they see you as a, uh, what would I say? They kind of think that you're irresponsible. (laughs) <laughs> or what cliche they put on us. You yeah. know, it depends on who it's coming from, right? Exactly. Or if you're married, oh, you know, she's not going to be able to do that. No, she's got a kid. She's not capable. Like it just, the the standards against women will always, not always be, but just so many stories of how women almost honestly get stereotyped out of their careers. Yeah. Yeah. With my second child. So I went part-time to try to manage. I actually stepped down from a manager role when I had my son because I didn't feel, and I wanted to go part-time. Um, and I didn't feel like it was fair 
to be managing people in, in a part-time role. So I voluntarily did this and I ended up still working full-time because you just, I couldn't do the job if I didn't, but um, they moved me as a part-time employee into supporting customer service, which is a 24 seven environment. So in addition, I was, I felt like I was being set up to fail, which I refused to do. And then um, I got pregnant with my second child, my daughter. And I knew, I understood that in order to get as much time off with her, I needed to work up until basically I had the baby. And so I was literally starting to have like labor pains and contractions a little bit. And they were joking, but not joking about me giving birth on the boardroom table. And so I could continue to do my job. And I was like, you know what? This is wrong on so many levels. And again, if this was a man in this situation, no one would ever suggest or joke about that. Absolutely not. They'd be like, oh, poor guy. Yeah. Oh, geez. Go home. You must not yeah. feel well. Why did but... you work so hard? Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's yeah. Talk- the, the, the CEO actually imitated me waddling. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they imitated yeah, I don't I don't know if, if for anybody out there who's had kids, you get to a point where your belly's so big you actually you have to waddle. Like there's just no choice. And uh yeah, he made he imitated me and made fun of me waddling down the hall. Like came and did it next to me and I was like that is not professional or appropriate. Wow. Mhm. You, you worked for a corporate job in a time where you really didn't did you not have the option to work from home? I mean, it's No, you know, I did work from home in that part-time role, but at that point, I used to say this all the time. I would joke that if I drove into the office at eight o'clock in the morning, plugged in my laptop, left and went to the beach all day, came back at five, five 30, unplugged my laptop. Everybody around me would be like, wow, at least she's working so hard because my laptop was there. But when I worked at home, everybody thought I was just laying around watching TV basically, or, or, you know, not working. And so I never got credit, but that was the agreement with being part-time was I would work, you know, two to four hours from home, but I would be able to be home with the baby a couple of days a week. And so, no, it was really, really different. I do feel like that this has been more recent, like the pandemic changed everything about work from home. I even see it because I have a home office with, with Spirit Socks USA and the um, demeanor people had towards like my dogs barked in the background before the pandemic, they'd be like, are you working from home? And it would be this accusation. But I think the acceptance of that is one of the very few good things that came out of the pandemic is, is it just allows people more, more bandwidth, more, more balance in their lives and, and time to prioritize the things that are most important to them. Yeah. And work from home days, I can say as someone who's done both, you're more productive when you work from home because you don't have that commute wearing you out. You know, you don't have to get settled into the office. You, you don't have the distractions. Exactly. And I think it's different for everybody. Some people, they need to work in the office. Some people need to work from home. But, you know, it's better when you can be with your kids, your fur babies. <laughs> and Exactly. Yeah, not having to make the exhausting decision, like, what am I going to wear to the office today? Even if you're just putting on a blazer for conference calls. Exactly. And and that what hour plus that most of us save in commute traffic can be used towards something that's for yourself, like getting some exercise, walking your dog, picking your kid up from school, you know, whatever it is, it's just such valuable time or more work, which a lot, which most people I think are doing, but it's just such valuable time that we get to add back to our lives. Much And healthy your eating. Yes, that's definitely. Okay. Yeah. If you're taking care of yourself, you can take better care of the things around you. Definitely. Yes. Well, let's talk about Spirit Socks USA. I want to hear the background of the company. And I know you had to make some pivoting during the pandemic as well. 
I want to yeah that journey. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I, I started the company with really, I was trying to be different, right? Socks are, are out there and I wasn't going to open up a sock shop and try to compete with Bombas or something like that. And so I was really trying to be different. And so I really kind of took that fundraising angle angle of socks as a fundraiser. Um, but I did quickly see that we could make socks for anything. And I started to have people coming to me asking, um, does this have to be a fundraiser? And, and so we expanded quickly into basically being able to make a sock for anything. I, I challenge people like, right, like one of my favorite customers right now is the Rhode Island Parrot Rescue Foundation. So we're helping make socks so that they can rescue parrots in Rhode Island. And I mean, I get the, like the most unique and fun, interesting customers, but, um, and so the, the business was about four years old when the pandemic hit. And for me, as you know, many others out there, it was just like this metal door came down and just my pipeline was just wiped out in an instant. It wasn't like people were saying, oh, let's catch up in three weeks. They were gone. My pipeline was zero. And so I quickly pivoted. Um, I, I checked in with my production manager and asked, can we make custom face masks? Because I still had kind of, I had that that contact list for fundraising that would, where the face mask could come in. And she said, yes. And so um, within probably about, gosh, four to six weeks, we were selling custom face masks and it ended up being about 30% of my sales in 2020, which was enough to keep my doors open. Without that, we would have, I would have had to shut down. So it was, it was very interesting to start to learn another product, but it also was such a good lesson to me to be adaptable and not wait, like just to, to be adaptable as quickly as possible. So, and the other thing too, during the pandemic, I worked on um, branding and like I did a new logo and I, and I was making sure I was, you know, I was active on social media so that when things did come back, I would be top of mind. So while I wasn't necessarily, I didn't have as many customers as most people, um, I was just making sure I was there and memorable for when they, um, when they were ready to come back. That's awesome. I have a pair of socks that I got for Christmas one year and it's got my cat's faces on them and they're my absolute favorite. (laughs) So I wonder with like Spirit Socks USA, you get to make customizable socks for funds for amazing. Amazing. Yeah. We have a, we have such a wide range of customers. Like we have made them for weddings. Um, We've made them for family reunions. We make them for corporations. Uh, Last year we made them for ring the doorbell and Siemens energy. So we make them for huge companies. And so it's, it's really, and we, a lot of band boosters at the end of the year trying to make money. So yeah, it's, it's fun. We have, in fact, I have a, a cat sock I'm working on right now. Um, that is, is very, very cool. It's for a band and there's four cats and each one of the cats like represents one of the band members. And so they want to buy them a swag to sell at their concerts. So we get the, like, just it's, it, it's really what makes this job so fun is the customers, the uniqueness of it. And you're covering so many different types of customers. Yes. Amazing. And everybody loves wearing socks. I mean, I think socks is, there's one thing whenever, you know, it's Christmas time, you don't know what to get somebody, you get them a fun pair of socks because they're practical and they're fun. 
And another good thing, two good things about them. They're one, they're generally one size fits all. So you never have to guess someone's sizing, which is always the most awkward thing for me when either in a giveaway, which I hate because I always get like, if it's a t-shirt, it's a men's extra large. And I'm like, well, that I'm never going to wear that. Like you get excited for the free and then, oh, it's nothing. So that's uh, the one size fits all is help. And then the gender neutral as well. Like you can just give it to somebody and be you know, and, and just be safe and secure that it's probably, you know, it's probably going to fit them. It's probably going to be something that they like if it's a fun design and, um, or a plain design, depending on what that person likes. But yeah, it's, it's a really good gift and a really good giveaway. And then with COVID, I know I was in California a few weeks ago and a lot of people are still wearing masks. So is the mask portion, are you guys still making custom face masks? We still offer them for sure. We actually haven't made them since um, since we didn't make any in 2022. So we made them in 2021. Yeah, Californians, um, a lot of them are are still, what I think is um, it, the people who are still wearing masks are the ones probably who haven't gotten COVID yet. That's my guess. And, um, and so a lot of people do choose to wear them, but I think that whole custom face mask thing where people would make them for their company or an event. Oops, I'm sorry. Let me stop the phone. Uh, I think that's gone where, you know, that whole custom thing is gone, but, but people are still wearing them individually. Yeah. I just wondered if that was something you don't see them in Tennessee. No, you just don't see people wearing masks in Tennessee right now, but I did see it a little bit in California. I saw a lot of high school students still wearing them. Mm -hmm. So I was curious on that. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, there's actually, I think around the country too, I mean, it, not only COVID, it was the flu and it was RSV. There are a lot of things going around. And so I think a lot of people too are wearing them if they are sick and they have to go out and buy medicine. And that's something that I actually, I think is, would be kind of nice if we, you know, how you have to go to the drugstore when you're really sick, that, that I think a lot of people are wearing masks at that point, so they don't spread it to others. And I think that's a nice common courtesy thing, but I do like the fact that we all should be able to just choose whether we wear it or not and not be judged either way. Like just do your own thing, be you and let people be themselves. Absolutely. I have a friend that told me right before masks were a huge thing, she would wear a medical mask on a Southwest flight that wasn't overbooked because that was a way for her to get the road to herself. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Southwest, you can pretty much pick where you sit. I love it. <laughs> I wonder if that's going to come back. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? So what is something that you're really looking forward to in the year 2023 for Spirit Socks USA? You know, I'm super excited. We launched a subscription box in December. And actually, when you were talking about um, socks make the perfect gift for Christmas, that's exactly what we did was we launched a subscription box. And so people could... You know, if you didn't, you're those people, you didn't know what to get them that monthly is $18. And then if you do three, six or 12 month prepaid, it's less. And so we launched that and we do two surprise socks every month that are seasonal. So I'm really excited to continue to launch that and grow the subscription business this year. It really gives us an opportunity to reach a different clientele that, you know, the part of the same as um, I knew I needed to pivot from fundraising. I needed to, I needed to pivot a little bit from custom socks because we do make those in bulk. And so the subscription really allows people to buy one, right? If they just want to buy $18, $18 for a friend or themselves, then that's it. So I'm super excited about that. And then I also, um, I've been a solopreneur for, with contractors 
um, for this entire time until February, or November 28th, I hired an operations manager. And then I just brought on my graphic designer and, and we um, added her into the social media manager role. So I now have a team of three of us in addition to the contractors. So I'm really, really excited to, to have a team and not have it be all me and um, see what we can accomplish as a team. Wonderful. So you did everything up until then. You did the designing portion of it, the distribution. I've actually, I've, I've had... I had eight contractors. Um, some of them have been converted or roles have changed, but my graphic designer has been on staff for three and a half years. So I haven't been doing that. And then I had, um, I, yeah, I had contractors in, in a variety of other roles to help me. But ultimately when it's just you being the only employee, it is, it, you know, the the buck stops with you. And, and that's, I don't feel that as much anymore with the two of them. I, the, you know, the three of us as a team, I feel like now it's the three of us achieving, going after our goals and, and there's more of a vested interest. I just have to make sure I can pay them. <laughs> that's my job now is to make enough sales that I can cover their payroll. <laughs> Excellent. So you're doing great. I mean, if you can hire a contract employee or now in your case, full-time employees, that means you're good to go. It's always a work in progress. We did, a, I mean, we increased revenue by 100% last year. So I was really, really excited with the year we had. And um, and I'm excited with what's to come. I feel like we've got some really interesting projects in the pipeline that could be huge. And then just as we are getting more well-known, it's, it's tough to compete with the big boys and, um, and, you know, and, and not be able to keep up on the Google ad spend and all of those things that these huge companies have that, and so we're we're doing our best to you know be more well known, be be the person that, or be the company that people think of. Um, the fact that I am certified woman owned business has gone really really far. We get customers all the time who are intentionally supporting a woman owned business, and I really appreciate that. I can totally relate. I love when I see a label set that says woman owned. I do have more of an instinct to buy it because I do know what it's like for myself to be solely depend on me. Mm -hmm. Whether that's my podcast, my passion project, whether it's, you know, just me paying my own bills. And I think every woman at some point has faced what you call the metal door. Yes. Whether they're climbing the corporate ladder, whether they're starting their own business, there is a metal door at some point. And that's, I'm not saying that doesn't happen to men, but I just remember starting my career as a woman and thinking that moving up the ladder was so much easier for guys because what are they doing? They're networking with other guys. Mm -hmm. They start a little boys club and I mean, yeah, there are more women working, but and sometimes instead of helping each other out, sometimes women tend to compete against each other. I agree. I agree. We have so much more to overcome. And I, I feel like too, I'm, I've been for three years, I've been very, very active, almost like pretty much daily on LinkedIn. And really, it, I really enjoy the platform. But I do see like one thing women, we still have to overcome. And, and I hope this goes away at some point is we still get evaluated by how we look. It doesn't matter you know, what position we are, what role we're taking. And, and I see that as a business owner, as I still get evaluated by how I look. And then we talk about business and, you know, it's not all men, but it's too many still in this day and age. And, and it's just something that men don't have to overcome. They just are, you, they've already been evaluated because they're a man. And then they, you get to, you know, they get to show their abilities and their talent and, and, um, 
And I just wish that we could, you know, that was something, an obstacle that we can, I think we can help each other. I definitely think women should, you know, the stronger, I, I feel like the more we work together, the stronger we are. And that's what I always try to do is support other women. But um, hopefully together we can take away that obstacle too, because we should not be judged first and foremost on how we look. Yeah. I don't know. I would say we've come a long way from that, but I don't think we have. Yeah, we probably haven't. <laughs> we I, like probably have. <laughs> I also hear, also hear comments like how women dress. I'll hear, okay, yeah. they're not dressing professionally enough. Or if they dress professionally, it's like, oh, well, how much did they spend on that suit? Mm-hmm. Like there is no winning in it. No. I mean, it's, yeah, women, in anytime there's a woman on television or something, it's very likely a guy is going to comment on how she looks. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Regardless of what she's trying to get across. Yep. On the sideline, on a football field, still, still being evaluated. Like, yeah, yeah. there's nothing. I don't think I've ever seen an unattractive female journalist. No, no. I, I have some friends who were in like journalism school and it's, it's pretty cutthroat. Same. Actually, I have a friend who told me her accent. That was why they, they didn't like, she was at Columbia and they said, you'll never make it because you have an accent, which is terrible. That is terrible. What kind of accent did she have? She's Indian. Indian. Okay. Yeah. I, I felt like a lot of times in my life, I have to hide. I grew up in Eastern Tennessee. So if my Southern accent comes through, like if I sound really country, I can be really critical about that because mm. I know people are going to be like, oh, that sweet little voice that I'm never going to take that seriously. Or I've even I went to New York City when I was a senior in high school and ordered a latte and they thought it was cute how I talked. Oh, oh I sounded, they made me repeat myself and I'm like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure they were actually probably trying to be nice, but it it's insulting. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you don't want to be judged based on something so superficial mm-hmm. on how you sound or how you talk. It's like, no, listen to the words I'm saying, not the dialect. Exactly. Um, what is something that you have read? Or heard or a movie that you watched that changed your life completely? You know, I'm going to stick with a business one because it really did change the entire way I ran my business. And so I, I read, it's called Profit First. I have it right here. It's by Mike McCallowicz. McCallowicz. Sorry, I can't pronounce that well, but I should probably. But yeah, Profit First. And it speaks directly to entrepreneurs. The first two chapters, he's like, are you, you know, you, you might be this way. And I was just nodding my head going, that's exactly what it was. And it just taught me how to reevaluate my entire financial aspect of my business, my expenses, my um, income, and how to prioritize it. So I actually was making a profit and putting money aside to pay taxes and not spending 90% of what I brought in on operating expenses. And it, it really, I cannot recommend it enough for somebody who is a business owner and, and is struggling maybe with cash flow or, or just wants to see a, a different way to evaluate um, your finances. It was, it was, it, it changed the whole way. Since, since I read that book, the company has done an about face with cash flow, and thus I've been able to grow and invest in, in things that have only grown the business even further. I love that. That sounds like a great read because 
I think a lot of times people will start with their business, start their project and say, okay, this is what I'm really passionate about. So this is where I'm going to lead with. Mm-hmm. And it is normal, I think, in the first few years of business to kind of break even or not make anything. But what's going to be driving the whole the whole trajectory of the business? What's going to be the driving force? What's going to keep funding it? Money. Yeah, exactly. He also, like, he talks about larger businesses too, that we all, like, we don't know the inside operating, but, you know, people who are, who have $2 million in revenue and have, have zero profit. And, and so he speaks a lot about evaluating those operating expenses and, you know, really deciding on making a conscious decision and and a, a planned and intelligent decision about what you're investing in and spending your money on. And so he speaks to all sizes of businesses, which I thought was helpful as well. How fascinating. It's a good book. Oh, yeah. I will be adding that to the Audible. (laughs) Well, what lasting advice do you have for the listeners? Advice. You know, I think just based on our conversation, I think um, I would like to see more kindness in the world. So I think maybe just... Um, you know, one of the things I learned, especially with the pandemic, with my customers was not assuming, making an assumption about what's going on in someone's life because they don't respond or things like that. And I think just giving people bandwidth to, you never know what's going on. Like I had to, my my dog almost died in the back of my car. And the only reason he didn't die was because I was driving like a maniac down an expressway. I was, you know, driving 70 and a 45 mile and, and people honked at me and they flipped me off and all these things. And then I was like, but my dog is dying. And so I think kind of just, um, maybe just taking that step back of if somebody's rude or they, you know, have leave a bad impression, there might be something else going on in their life that they didn't intentionally do that to us, but, um, just giving people some, some bandwidth, I think. That's beautiful. Because I, I don't think any of us, it's most of us have great intentions, mm-hmm. but maybe we have been rude or really sharp to somebody that we didn't mean to be. And they say, they also say hurt people, hurt people. So just having some compassion. Yeah. I know my cousin, when her dad died, she said she almost wanted to wear a shirt that said my dad died. And because people like she couldn't smile at people, she couldn't be polite to the, the, you know, person at the grocery store, the, you know, the checker at the grocery store, she just couldn't because she had so much grief. And so I think just, you know, instead of making an assumption that, you know, they're a jerk or something worse, um, you know, name worse that we would call them, but just, you know, maybe there's something going on in their life that they're just really struggling with and just, just give them that space and maybe try to be supportive as well. I love it. And they say in a world where you can be anything, why not just be kind? 100% agree. Why not be kind? I love that. Thank you so much. Now, before we go, I want you to let everybody know how we can support you and how we can follow you. Sure. Um, I'm, we, I'm active on, like I said, LinkedIn, it's Lisa Riggs or Spirit Socks USA on Facebook and Instagram as well. We are on YouTube, but I've done a terrible job at growing that channel. That's on the list of things to do. Um, You also can reach us on the website, which is spiritsocksusa.com. We keep everything simple. So my email is lisa at spiritsocksusa.com as well. And so, yeah, if you check out the website, you can see we have a ton of photos of the custom socks we've made. We also have 
um, information about the subscription if anybody's interested. And feel free, there's a lot of easy, you know, contact buttons on there. You can just contact it and reach me directly if you have any questions. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again, Lisa. Thank you so much, Ella. I really appreciate it. You are listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. In this community, we think you'll find your self-worth comes before your net worth and everything else. We also think you were designed to go after the life you want by ditching societal norms, knowing exactly who you are as an individual, and going after your unique purpose here on this earth. Every week, Ella interviews an entrepreneur that designed the life they wanted among the challenges, naysayers, and leaving outside their comfort zone. Or you're going to hear straight from Ella, where she talks about the important lessons she's learned in life and how she's achieved the overall happiness she has. This is Ella, the host for Better Self and Net Worth. Based out of Nashville, Tennessee, she makes every single day an adventure. You'll always find her right here behind the microphone, sharing all her thoughts with all of you. And we appreciate you listening and hope you enjoy this episode.